two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be with them. As we listen to these notes played for us, let's think about it. But more to the point, please stand with me and let's sing together. Be still, for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One, is here. Any better place to be than in the presence of the Lord? Please open your books again. To be in your presence, Jesus, to sit at your feet where your love surrounds me and makes me complete. This is my desire, O Lord. This is my desire. And we are going to follow straight into number 285, where each one of us will bow down and confess that Jesus is Lord in this place. Let's pray together. Jesus Christ, our Saviour, Holy One, you come to meet with us today. You come to bring your presence into our midst. Oh Lord, what a privilege it is to know you are here. You who are so holy. You who sets the example for us. And you who we aspire to be. We thank you Lord Jesus for sharing the last week with us. We thank you for being here today. And we know, Lord, you'll be with us throughout the week. Thank you for our relationship. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your love. And thank you for giving us today as a time when we can meet with you and we can remember you. Jesus, we hope you enjoy this morning with us. Thank you. Amen. Just because we don't always have a long list of names for our care news, it gives us time maybe just to have a few moments of thought ourselves before I pray. So, there will be just a couple of moments of silence now. Think about those people you know, those people in need, those people actually who might not appear to be in need, who are blessed at the moment. Think about the people you come into contact with who need God's love, God's care, God's mercy. Let's just spend a few moments in silence. Father, you asked us to call you that because it shows to us you are a loving and a caring God.
you know the circumstances, the people that we have thought about briefly. But you know all things about all men. For those who are close to us, we ask, Father, that our prayers are answered. For those who we're not so close to, those we don't even know, Lord, we know you are trying to make contact with people. And use us to make that contact even if it might not be obvious to us. But help each one of us in this room, in this church, to be your caring arm for whoever needs, whatever they need. And help us, and it's maybe the hardest one of the lot, to be prepared to give time your people Lord Jesus we've already sung you come to cleanse and heal and to minister your grace please do that through us Amen Andrew is going to come and exhort us, but before that happens, we're going to take a reading. If you'd please turn to 1 Peter, and we're going to start at chapter 1, verse 13, and we're going to read through to the end of chapter 2. I'll just say that again. 1 Peter, you go to chapter 1 and verse 13, and then Sylvia is going to lead us in the reading through to the end of chapter 2. The first letter of Peter, chapter 1, beginning at verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here, in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, 
through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves, for the Lord's sake, to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honour the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to, those, to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, 
he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Andrew, please come and encourage us. Morning, everybody. I was just thinking, actually, when we were reading that, we could say to one another, Livingstone, I presume. Can't we read that? Uh, uh, I have three nieces, um, Alison, Helen and Karen. And um, Helen and Alison, along with their husbands, are foster parents, which is a very responsible and uh, demanding uh, occupation. Recently, Alison and Tom took charge of a tiny six-week-old baby, a baby girl who had been terribly abused by her mother and partner. And this little child is so frail that only, she can only be fed small amounts of food very regularly. Consequently, Alison and Tom have not had a decent night's sleep now for weeks as they attend to the baby during the night as it cries out for food. Food. We never seem to get any sleep. She always seems to be hungry, said Alison. And Alison's dad, my brother-in-law, and uh, I were just tongue-in-cheek saying, he wants to give us some mashed potatoes and get that done. But of course, you can't do that with a little baby, can you? She just needs milk. Perhaps a few solids, but really mainly milk regularly. And the baby keeps wanting more. This is a familiar tale to all parents, I suppose, isn't it? But why am I telling you this? Well, just have a look again at that First uh, Peter chapter 2 that we looked at together. <clears throat> Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. We've come across a very powerful word there, haven't we? The word crave. It's a word that we don't often find in the scriptures. The New King James Version calls it desire. But it's a very strong word in the original text. It doesn't mean merely to, to want something, but rather to long for something with all one's being. Therefore, in, in this instance, I think the word crave is a good translation. To long for something with all one's being. Now that's what the Apostle Peter is telling us here. Get rid of all that malice and that deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind, and crave, seek out, drinking that pure milk of the word. Take this spirit of Jesus into our lives, brothers and sisters. Take the Lord into our lives. To have this desire to be more Christ-like in our lives. And Peter isn't decrying milk like in other parts of the New Testament, we're told 
up. Some people had to go back to taking milk because they weren't able to have the meat of the word. Here, Peter is saying, drink in this spirit of, <coughs> excuse me, of Jesus. Why is this? So that we may grow up in our salvation. So that we may become strong in the Lord. And Peter isn't here talking about a physical strength, a muscular strength. I believe some years ago there was a football team here called the Bethel Bashers. We're not talking about a physical um, team, but somebody who is spiritually strong. And it doesn't mean a, a vast knowledge of the scriptures either. We don't have to know all the kings in order and the prophets in order, all the Greek meanings of different words and how to find Nahum and Zephaniah quickly in our Bibles. It doesn't mean this. So what then is Peter talking about? He's asking us, he's, he's telling us to throw out the junk that we fill our lives up with to get rid of all this junk and desire the Spirit of Jesus so that we may stand up to some of the, the criticisms and persecutions and the hardships that we have to face in our lives. Just going back to our history lessons for a minute, Peter was writing here in the times round about AD 60, when the Christians were really being persecuted by Nero. And he exhorts us to be strong in our belief and ready to give a testimony of our faith. And that's very useful when you think about it. I've heard it called the elevator pitch. You know, when we were out marketing for work, we used to have an elevator pitch ready so that you, you sort of step into a lift and just as you're waiting for the doors to close, the person you've been wanting to meet for weeks and weeks to talk about your job gets into the lift with you. You've got one minute in the lift with him. When he can't escape, you can make your pitch. Whatever it is, you rise or you want to get work from them, anything like that. And it's good for us to think about our elevator pitch. If somebody says, what do you believe? Or why do you believe this? To have something ready so that we can say to people. I often think, oh, I missed an opportunity there. So, have your elevator pitch ready, says Peter. And thinking about these things helps us to face hardships in our lives when things around us wobble, causing us to wobble. So I want to come back to... Um, 1 Peter chapter 2 in a minute, but there's another powerful word that Peter uses in his letters I'd like you to look at this morning. If we just turn on to second letter of Peter, please, chapter 1, <clears throat> and at verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, we read, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. That's another word I thought, it's a powerful word that, that we don't often come across, being eager. There are lots of things we want to be eager with, you know, doing in our lives, eager to um, better in our lives, but they're usually pleasurable things, aren't they? I'd love, I'm eager to be better at watercolour painting, eager to be better at golf perhaps and photography and DIY skills. For others it might be cookery or running or other sports, crafts, skills, whatever. But here, Peter uses this word, be eager, or King James Version says, be diligent. Work at it to make your calling and election sure. That little baby that we talked about, that Alice and Tom have got, um, 
As the years go by, we'll go up to be a teenager and a young adult, and mum and dad will say, well, our job's nearly done now. It's up to you to start to make your own way in the world, to start to fend for yourself. Although a parent's job is never really ever done, is it? But this child, this girl, will have to decide which way to go in life. And Peter's reminding us here, try to continue to grow in Jesus. Turning that round, it's try to let Jesus continue to grow in us, isn't it? Just have a look again at, um, well we've not looked at it really, verse 4 of this first chapter of Second Peter. Though he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus. What's that about? Being ineffective and unproductive. Well, it's not talking about the head knowledge, is it? Peter is talking about our knowing of Jesus. (coughs) Becoming more of him or him taking more of us. Being more Christ-like in our lifestyle. So, this powerful word, eager, if we lose our eagerness, if we lose our diligence to try and be more Christ-like in our lives, Peter says, we become blind to these things, we become oblivious of them, and we are in danger of forgetting all what Christ has done for us. That word, forgetting. And that's why we have the bread and the wine to remind us again this morning that we've been forgiven and cleansed and reconciled to God. Growing in Jesus. That's how we keep going, isn't it, as Christians? Growing in Jesus. And we don't stop growing, do we, when we're baptised? We, we put on Christ, don't we? So there's more to knowledge than just knowing something, isn't there? Knowing means living. Living our lives. In the Western world now, it's party time, isn't it? It's party time. There are Christmas parties everywhere. Have you ever been to a a Christmas party with a dress code? I know years ago when I used to work for Wimpy Construction, the regional office, well, the regional uh, dinner was a big thing with top tables, tables all going off it, black ties, cocktail dresses, lots of protocol and it was quite amusing to see the guys who were off the sites you know with stiff starchy collars on and um, black suits and that and uh, they're used to having sweaters and donkey jackets on dress code and I suppose as Christ followers we have a dress code don't we just look at three parts of the scripture we read for all of you who are baptised into Christ have been clothed with Christ. We've put on Christ, reading Galatians. Secondly, we're exhorted to 
put on the whole armour of God. Thirdly, therefore, as God's chosen people, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. In other words, clothe yourselves with Christ. And there are many more such passages for us to look at. We have put on Christ, haven't we? We've covered ourselves with Christ. Not smart suits, dresses and hats, but a life to be lived in active holiness. See, holiness isn't something that's private. It's something that we have to show to people by the way we live, isn't it? We can't say my faith is a private thing to myself. It's something we have to make known to those around us. It's how we relate to others that our faith is manifest, isn't it? So I think that's what Peter's saying here in verse 8. We become ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of Christ. Without Christ in us, without the Spirit in us, we are unfruitful and ineffective. And Peter says we're blind and we've forgotten Jesus. Have we really forgotten Jesus? Let's be eager to be more Christ-like. We may have plenty of knowledge, but is it changing our lifestyle? So our reading from 1 Peter chapter 2 breaks into a theme that Peter's talking about. So that's why I asked if we could just pick up halfway through chapter 1. Which commenced at verse 13 that Sylvia read. 1 Peter, isn't it? Not 2 Peter. Um, and in 1 Peter 1 verse 13 perhaps we could just look at that again together we, we read therefore prepare your minds for action be self-controlled set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed we've got this great promise haven't we that's going to be given us as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. It goes on to say, be holy because I am holy. Why are we to be strangers in the world? What's the reason? Have we really forgotten Jesus? We've not really forgotten him, have we? But it's easy to put on one side the, the clothing of Jesus, isn't it? It's easy to put it on one side, our commitment to Jesus. We've not thrown off that covering of Christ, but perhaps we've taken a bit of it off because it's not been very comfortable. Oh, we, we put it on this morning when we came to the service. Oh, yeah. But we may have to take it off again tomorrow when things get a bit uncomfortable or in the week. Have you ever felt like that? I know I have. I know I have. Obeying Jesus means to be set apart, doesn't it, from the things going on around us in the world. But not taking ourselves out of the world. That's where our faith comes in, isn't it? To try and live in the world, but letting Christ live in us. But why should we be holy? As Peter exhorts us here. I guess it's because God asks us to be holy. We are called to obey God, aren't we? Secondly, it was for our sake that Jesus gave his life as a covering for our sinfulness. We put on Jesus. And thirdly, that great hope, Jesus is coming back. Have faith in this great hope 
says Peter. So, brothers and sisters, let's be eager, as well as desiring Jesus, let's be eager to follow him and look for him. We may have plenty of knowledge, but is it changing the way we live our lives? Do we desire Jesus' coming? Do we stop and think about it much these days? So how can we be holy, brethren and sisters? And it doesn't mean withdrawing in this cloth over our mouths and we're not part of this world. Nothing like that, is it? How can we be holy? I think Jack touched on it last week. In Second Chronicles chapter 20 we read how Jehoshaphat defeats the armies of Ammon and the Moabites. And how did he do it? We read, for we have no power to face this vast army. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's what Jehoshaphat said. Our eyes are upon you. He kept the eyes of his people on God. In other words, let's put our trust in God in the time ahead. I think that's the secret, isn't it? Keeping our eyes focused on Jesus, even though we don't know what we're going to do as Hezekiah didn't know what to do, Jehoshaphat didn't know what to do but our eyes are upon you and that's all we need to do, but that is so hard to do, isn't it? Keep looking Don't forget that it was this same Peter who denied Jesus three times before the cock crowed And he wept bitterly. He knew what it was like to let God down. And don't forget, it was Peter who the Lord went to comfort before anybody else. He went to see Peter and said, don't worry Peter, it's alright. And it's that same Jesus who is here with us, as Trevor said, this morning. Peter hadn't taken his eyes off Jesus. He just couldn't cope. And we all face times like that in our lives. It's then when we need to simply say, we've no power to face this vast army. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. In other words, Lord, take hold of the steering wheel because I don't know which way to turn. And God does, doesn't he? He does. Some of you might know that I was really into photography and I was quite saddened by the by the passing of roll film. I used to like roll film, but I quite like digital cameras now. But um, I used to love to go into the dark room. It wasn't all that dark because there's that little murky safe light went on, but to stand in that murky, dim room and swish the tray around and see the picture come up in the developing fluid was absolutely fantastic. It was, it was just wonderful just to see this picture come on this blank piece of paper. Just listen to this article that I I picked up recently about um, night vision. Thinking about being in the dark. Uh, It says, faith is like a film. It's developed in the dark. In the dark days, sorry, dark days make us lean on God in ways we normally wouldn't. The truth is, if our faith was never tested, we wouldn't be motivated to pursue God and draw closer to him. Edward Mote wrote, When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. 
when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. It's easy to praise God when your health is good and your bills are paid. It's when light suddenly turns to darkness that we discover what our faith is made of and where our truth and trust really lies. It's in those seasons that we develop night vision. I thought that was quite good. Our faith is like a film and sometimes we're in the dark, we see something really coming clear before us. So, two things there, aren't there? It's in our worst moments that God gives us our best insights. And secondly, when we come through it, people will listen to you because you have earned the right to speak about those situations. So sit tight and let God teach you things that can only be learnt in the dark. So, we thought quite a lot this morning about Peter's exhortation to be holy and about putting on Jesus. We thought about some powerful words to crave or desire, to long for something with all our being and we thought about being eager for Christ to think about our commitment to Christ about how we can be holy and we often feel so rubbish at that, don't we? There's another powerful word I want to think about before we finish this morning it's probably the most important word in the scripture it's the word love the love Jesus and God have for you yes, you brother yes, you sister yes, me We take the bread and we drink the wine. Why? To remember. To remember what Jesus went through for each one of us. Because he loves us. Because God loves us so much we can't really fully take it in. Because they wish to see us enjoying the blessings they have in store for us. It's his good pleasure to give us these things, this kingdom of God on earth. And there's a danger that we just see this sacrifice of Jesus from one point of view, and that is forgiveness. But the offering of Jesus combines us being reconciled to God, God being grateful that we've turned to him, it embodies our purifying, and it embodies the removal of all guilt that we have. So we really are blessed through Christ. We really are cleansed and reconciled, purified and guilt-free in the sight of God. So let us not forget Jesus. No wonder Peter urges us to see Jesus as the stone that is precious. Do we see Jesus as precious, brethren and sisters? It's a fact, isn't it? That's why Peter exhorts us to try and see things God's way. To be set apart for him. Be holy as he is holy. It's a change from the inside, isn't it? I just want to finish now with a little story about um, beauty because Peter goes on in his um, first epistle in chapter 3 that some of us might be reading tomorrow about what we wear and how we try to look nice. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Your beauty 
should not come from outward adornments such as braided hair and the wearing of gold, jewellery and fine clothes. Instead it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. Here's a little story. The public relations department of a beauty products company asked its customers to send pictures along with their brief letters describing the most beautiful women that they knew. Thousands of letters came in. One caught the attention of the employees and it was passed on to the president. It was written by a boy from a broken home who lived in a run-down neighbourhood. With lots of spelling errors, an excerpt from his letter read, A beautiful woman lives down our street. I visit her every day. She makes me feel like the most important kid in the world. We play checkers and she listens to my problems. She understands me. When I leave, she always yells out the door that she's proud of me. The boy ended his letter saying, This picture shows you that she's the most beautiful woman in the world and one day I hope to have a wife as pretty as her. Intrigued, the president asked to see asked to see the woman's picture. His secretary handed him a photograph of a smiling, toothless woman, well advanced in years, sitting in a wheelchair. Sparse grey hair was pulled back in a bun. The wrinkles that formed deep furrows on her face were somehow diminished by the twinkle in her eyes. We can't use this woman, said the President, smiling. She would show the world that our products aren't really necessary. Clothe yourselves from the beauty that comes within. Thanks. Before we do take bread and wine together, we're going to sing again. And we're going to sing from the hymn book. Andrew's alluded to the fact that this is about the cleansing of our guilt. But it's absolutely about the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's about the righteousness that we, that we have got to grasp hold of. That we have got to touch and handle things unseen and grasp with firmer hand the eternal grace that allows us to become him and to live as the Lord Jesus. Here, O my Lord, I see thee face to face. Jesus, when they hurled their insults at you, you didn't retaliate. When you suffered, you made no threats. Instead, you entrusted yourself to him who judges justly. You yourself bore our sins in your body on the cross so that we might die to sin but so that we might live for righteousness. By your wounds, Jesus, we have been healed. John's going to come forward and give thanks for the bread. Mighty God, it is the simplicity of your love that's so self-evident today. 
we live in a world that whenever we listen to the news or to uh, any programs we're told that there are no easy answers there are no easy solutions and yet here is the easiest solution of all our brother Andrew today has fed us words and exhorted us in such a simple fashion he has fed us from your holy scriptures a simple message of love and here we have a piece of bread the symbol of your dear son his body no golden candlesticks no latin ceremony just a piece of bread that we can remember him here is love vast as the ocean here is love supreme we need an example and you give us the greatest example of all we needed a sacrifice and you gave us the greatest sacrifice of all your dear son father we thank you now for this piece of bread given to us that we might know love bless it to us now in his name the lord jesus christ amen Please come forward and give thanks for the cup. Lord God, our wonderful Heavenly Father, what a joy it's been this morning to hear wonderful words from your scriptures, to be encouraged by Andrew's exhortation, and to be reminded of how well blessed we are, truly blessed, to know your word, to be able to read your word day by day, to be encouraged by it, and to live a life centred on the love that Jesus has shown to us in giving us his life for our wonderful hope we have sinless life which will lead to that wonderful day when Jesus returns to share with him eternal life something which we have great difficulty in getting our minds around surely it is something which we have to hold very very precious and to be so very very thankful and this is now what we do, Heavenly Father. We take this wine, a sip of wine, to remind us of that time when Jesus gave his life for us, for that wonderful hope we have. So, Lord, thank you for this cup. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your amazing love. And we offer our prayers always in and through your wonderful name. Lord Jesus. Amen. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus is revealed.
It's another one of those throwaway sentences, isn't it? That you can hear it. And if you're anything like me, I remember it for a minute and then I move on. Jesus is here this morning. Jesus is here at every moment of every day with us. He'll be with us tomorrow, whatever we're doing. And what I'd like us to concentrate just as we close is the blessings we do receive every day that we can't just take for granted. So when Andrew was talking about us being holy, we have got so much on our side, so many blessings that are being given to us every day that I want to be more aware of. What I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to open your praise the Lord's please at number 79. And we're actually going to use this as our closing prayer. So please remain seated as we sing it together. But before we sing it, would you please just silently just read the words. And as we pray together, let us think about the fact that as we leave this place, the mind of Jesus will live in us from day to day. God's word will be present with us tomorrow. God's peace is a gift that we have. Jesus' love we could talk about that forever. And let's do that. And as Jesus has been and continues to be present with us, let's think about today and tomorrow, his beauty. And let's think about, there's five verses here, let's think about those five things and think about how those things affect and continue to challenge and to change us as individuals so when we come into contact with people around us as the song finishes all may look to Jesus and see him alone may the mind of Christ my saviour live in me from day to day